Hi everybody, my name's Mickey, I'm an alcoholic. And probably an addict too. I introduced myself in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings as an alcoholic and probably an addict, because that's the way we like it done. We like to identify one alcoholic to another alcoholic. So I introduced myself as an alcoholic and probably an addict, because that's the way we like it done. It seemed to work pretty good with Bill and Bob back in 35. It worked pretty good for me in January 83. And if you're new or returning here, I have absolute faith that it's likely to work pretty good for you. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, I identify as an alcoholic and probably an addict, because that's the way we like it done. <laughs> well, I'm a real alcoholic. I'm a total alcoholic. Everything about me is alcoholic. It's not just a part of me alcoholic or a big part that ain't alcoholic. I'm all alcoholic. So consequently, I have the right to be dysfunctional in as many ways as I like. Don't say I'm limited or restricted. If there's good dysfunction out there, I want my share of it, see? So consequently, I get asked to speak in other 12-step programs, uh, Narcotics Anonymous and Cocaine Anonymous and other anonymous programs. And when I identify in those programs, I identify as an addict and probably an alcoholic. Because that's the way they like it done too, see? And I don't have a problem with that today. My name's Mickey Bush, I'm an alcoholic, I'm in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, I know what's wrong with me and I know what to do about it. You know, and I never knew that when I got here on January the 15th, 1983. As you heard Patrick, and I thank Patrick for that nice introduction, when I was drinking and drugging there weren't nobody saying nice stuff about me, I'll tell you that. There was definitely no bloody vision for you, you know that for true, you know. But, um... You know, some other friends are here and uh, they know me pretty good. And You know, they know that if I'm an alcoholic, I'm, you know, dysfunctional in many ways. So if there's a 12-step program of any kind, I'm a contender for it. It don't matter what it is, for Christ's sake, you know. AA, NA, CA, ACA, Overeaters, Little Peters, it don't matter what it is. You know, if there's... If there's 12 steps attached to it, I'm a contender for it, for Christ's sake. You know what I'm saying? You can laugh. You know, know, I'd better back up and be rigorously honest because, I mean, I I did actually go to a little Peter meeting, but they wouldn't let me in, said I didn't qualify. (laughs) They let Patrick in. Patrick was all right. So you get the idea, you know. I hear people say that they, they were an alcoholic. They couldn't be an alcoholic and or anything, you know. Oh, good luck to them. I'm an alcoholic and or everything, you know. I'm a everything, it doesn't matter what it is. But I'm also an alcoholic and I'm a good brother and I'm a alcoholic and I'm a good father and I'm an alcoholic and I'm a good son and I'm an alcoholic and I've grown in here and prospered so I'm an alcoholic and everything you know I'm real glad to be an alcoholic and I never knew that when I got here on January the 15th 1983 you know but I do today you know when I got here on in January the 15th 1983 I was so sick that I never knew I was sick do you know how sick that is Do you know how sick it is to be so sick that you don't know you're sick? That's really sick. (laughs) Ha 
<laughs> and if you're as sick as I was when I got here, and you come into a room like this, room full of drunks, good drunks seems to me, you look around the room as we're masters at scanning the room, right? And you scan the room, you think, well, at least I'm not as sick as him. <laughs> Do you know how sick it is to be so sick that you don't think you're as sick as someone else? That's really sick. <laughs> so if you're in here tonight wondering whether you is or whether you isn't a real alcoholic or not, I want you to know that I can relate to being as sick as you don't think you are. You know? <laughs> really sick. And I never knew. I never knew. I never knew. I never knew I was alcoholic. I never knew nothing. I never knew nothing about nothing when I got here. I thought I knew everything about everything, but I actually knew nothing about nothing. You know, thinking I knew everything about everything. I mean, I just am. I'm like that. I'm an alcoholic. You know, and I, you know, when I'm drinking, I know everything about everything. Don't matter what it is, don't matter who it is, where you've been, don't matter what it is, I know about it. I've done it. You want to know how the space shuttle blew up? I'll tell you. Because I know. In fact, I should only miss being on it by that much. In fact, if I hadn't been drinking, I'd have been on it. I was busy. I'm a busy alcoholic drinking. Alcoholics are busy. So I don't know nothing about nothing. You know, when I get here, you know, I knew my name. I didn't use it anywhere, like legal, you know. When you've got a name like Mickey Bush, for example, you can, you know, start to learn some gratitude. Think about it. Mickey Bush. Mickey Bush. Puts me somewhere between a mouse and a president. You You can laugh. And when you've got a name like Mickey Bush, you get grateful. I never knew nothing about gratitude, but I had something to be grateful for ever since I was christened. And when you think about it, think about it. I, I was christened after two beers, Mickey Bush, you know, Mickey's Big Mouth and Anheuser Bush, you know. Really grateful my name weren't Harry. <laughs> Can you imagine going through life with a name like Harry Bush? Yeah. Yeah, well, screw you, yeah. <laughs> They're a sick bunch. They told me you was a sick bunch, yeah. <laughs> but when he got here, I never knew nothing. I never knew I was alcoholic. How would I know? How would I know? I never knew nothing. Oh, blimey, what time did I start? They want me to stop after 75 minutes. Okay. If I get on a roll, you can send out for breakfast, I'll tell you. you know, I don't know. <laughs> But I don't know. I never knew nothing about nothing. I got to my first meeting in in, uh, West Hollywood where Patrick was describing Architects of Adversity meeting. You know, I don't know nothing about nothing. I don't know that I've just hit bottom, and that's a whole story, and I don't know nothing about what goes on. I I know that uh, today, in retrospect, you know, because everything I tell you is all in retrospect, you know, I didn't know nothing, none about this when, I, when it was going on. I never knew none about, nothing about nothing when it was actually happening. So everything I'm talking about is all in retrospect. 
See, and that's why, you know, if you're new around here, I know it's sometimes popular for speakers to get up here and say, everything you hear from me is strictly my own opinion, just for me, I'm just talking for me. You know, ain't nothing in the beautiful book about opinion, strength and hope. You know. <laughs> everything I tell is all strictly my experience or my experience of working with many thousands of others and since I got here. You know, and so I don't know nothing about nothing when I get here and I... I remember I got the message of Alcoholics Anonymous before I even got in the rooms. I was living just above sunset up there in West Hollywood and I walked down San Vicente Hill to this Architects of Adversity meeting and there was two dudes standing outside and, you know, if you don't know West Hollywood, it's a very special part of town, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, commonly referred to sometimes as boys town, you know. If you still don't know what I mean, it's the kind of town where if you drop your wallet on Santa Monica Boulevard, you've got to kick it up to sunset before you can pick it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, if you're gay, don't get offended. No one cares, you know. <laughs> but I walked out of this meeting. Now, today I know these two dudes as greeters, but I don't know nothing. Then and I approach this meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm off a three-day run. I'm hurting, booze and news is oozing out of every pore of my body, you know, I'm just dope sick and I, I'm just antisocial and I'm grey and I'm loud and aggressive and I'm just hurting, you know. And I approach this meeting, one of these dudes steps forward with his hand out. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> he want to w welcome you to AA. I said, what? He said, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. I said, what? <laughs> and the other guy said, keep coming back. I said, what for? He said, we love you. I said, I bet you do. <laughs> when dudes tell you they love you in West Hollywood, it takes on a new meaning, you know. Never mind that I'm like this walking wretch. You know, in my head, I'm God's gift, you know, some kind of prize, thinking they want to jump my bones, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I walk around them, and I walk in this meeting, and it's architects of adversity, and it's a smallish room, but it's packed, and they smoked, and, and I walked in, and there were some celebs that I knew, and there were some other people, and I went, wow, and they were talking, and they were smoking, and they was all, you know, having a jolly time, and I went, wow. And this guy started walking towards me. He was an English rock and roll singer, and I'd known him for years. He was crazy. And he'd come up, and he put his arms around me. I went, oh, what are you doing? He said, giving you a hug. I went, I don't do hugs. <laughs> take him away. Take your arms away. You know? He said, we've been saving you a seat. I said, what for? <laughs> I said, what are you doing here? You're crazy, you are. He said, I'm leading the meeting. I said, how come? He said, I'm 22 months sober. I went, ugh. <laughs> 22 months sober, ugh. He said, I'll see you later. I said, okay. And I stood there and I didn't know. But I was immediately attracted to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was I'm one of those alcoholics that got here and went, wow, holy shit, wow, wow. And I loved it, and I've loved it ever since. And you wrapped your arms around me, and, and you just gave me a hug, and you, and you told me, keep coming back. My best friends that morning had told me to screw off. They said, screw off, get out. People who'd known me all my life told me to get out. 
you guys who didn't even know me told me we love you, keep coming back. I went, wow. And I've loved being among you ever since. And I'm even more exhilarated and more thrilled today. I'm more thrilled to come here and do this today than I've ever been. It's more thrilling and more exhilarating to me now to be among you. And I never did anything to earn my seat here. I never worked for a start. I often wonder how people who say they earn their seat here, how they receive it as a freely God-given gift. Because if they earn it, then they got rights. And if you've got rights, we practically kill ourselves defending them, don't we? You know, and I, really, I don't know where that came from, but it just came out. <laughs> but guy got up in my face at that meeting. Now, contrary to what a lot of people say, the beautiful book don't say we don't tell folk they're alcoholic. It says we prefer not to. But on 187, when Bill and Bob are doing the third man on the bed, they say, you are an alcoholic. He said, well, I didn't think much of that. I figured I was just a drunk. He said, no, you're alcoholic. There's something wrong with you. I went, oh. And that's what you did with me. Guy got in my face and said, you're alcoholic. I said, what? He said, you're alcoholic. I said, alcoholic? He said, you're an alcoholic. I thought it was bloody mean to say a thing like that. <laughs> say a thing like that to a dude. What do you mean? You're alcoholic. Alcoholic? You're an alcoholic. Wow, he said, I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholic, for heaven's sake. Thing to say. Wow, alcoholic. And I thought about it, alcoholic. Wow. Far out. <laughs> Far out, I'm alcoholic. I ain't nuts, I ain't crazy, I'm alcoholic. Far out. They've been locking me up in nut wards all my life. I ain't nuts, I'm an alcoholic. Far out. Being alcoholic was like a step up for me. I went, wow, far out. I'm an alcoholic, wow. I know what's wrong with me, holy shit. I never knew. I couldn't wait to run home and tell my best pal, the one who'd kicked me out that morning. I said, hey, guess what? I'm an alcoholic. I'm powerless over alcohol. My life's unmanageable. He said, no shit. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a surprise. <laughs> Everybody knew except me. I never knew. How would I know? Nobody had told me. They never came along and locked me up all those years and all those times and said, we're going to lock you up for repeating the same behaviour and expecting a different result, like you guys did. You know? You're alcoholic. I went, wow, why'd you say that? He said, because if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and sounds like a duck and smells like a duck, it's a bloody duck. <laughs> Just because he's been taking some shit and thinks he's an eagle, no, you're a duck. You're a duck, I'm a duck. Quack, quack, he went. I went, here I am all crazy and insane and he's talking about ducks and eagles and eagles and ducks. I'm going, oh my God. This is the bloody funny farm, man. And I didn't realise it at the time, but I stuck around and more got revealed and I did what you guys told me. And the true meaning of that came to light. And I've been here talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. We've had a few meetings here, and it's a crying shame because I've been talking to folk, and they don't know what it is about them that makes them alcoholic. And if they don't know what it is about them that makes them alcoholic, how can they fully concede to their innermost self that they are? They think 
they do, believe they do and say they do, but they actually don't. In one of my houses, I've got several houses, and um, in one of the houses, I've got two parakeets, a blue one and a green one. Bill and Bob is their name. <laughs> and I've trained them to speak. And you can stand by the cage, and they'll screech out at you, I'm an alcoholic, I'm powerless, powerless, alcoholic! You know? They're bloody parakeets is what they is, but they can say they're alcoholic, you know. And I never knew. I never knew I was alcoholic. How would I know? To my conscious knowledge, no one had ever told me. They may have told me, but i got a hearing problem, so I don't hear things right, you know. i got selective hearing, always had it. Never got it just because I've got ear. Years before I got ear, I had a hearing problem. In fact, I used to get into all trouble and they'd lock me away because I don't hear things right. Just don't collate stuff the same as other people. I would come home drunk and my mum who... Never missed a trick in my house, you know. My mum, dynamic old lady, dinosaur she is, and, uh, I mean, in that house, you know, she never missed... You could not get away with nothing in my mum's house. She knew everything that went on in that house, you know, and uh, I really did think she had eyes in her ass, for Christ's sake, you know. <laughs> and I would come home, and, and, and she'd be in her bed, of course, and I'd be stumble-bumming around, drunk, down, trying to be quiet, and, of course, she never missed a trick, and she'd yell out down the stairs... Drunk again, son. And I'd yell back, so am I, mum. You know? She'd say, I'm not bloody drunk. I've been in bed since eight o'clock. The hell's wrong with you? And I still wouldn't get it. I'd think, well, why did she say she was drunk then? You know, she, she's messing with me is what she is, you know. Because I don't hear things right, you know, and... And I don't hear what's right. So I may have been told I was alcoholic, but I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. Because I may have been told, but don't remember. Don't hear it right. But you guys all seem to know. And you seem to all to know why you drank. I, I read this book, the beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous, in the doctor's opinion. He said, alcoholics drink primarily because they like the effect produced by alcohol. I don't have a problem with that, but I never thought about it. I never, I, when I was drinking, I never kind of thought about that. Nothing consciously went on in my mind. I know you guys do, but I never. I mean, you guys know everything more than I did. When I got here not knowing nothing, I got here and, like today, I was hearing people talking about why they drank. I don't know why I drank. I just drank. Everybody drank. I come from northwest London. You probably picked up on that, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm a limey, lush and loady. This is the way I talk. I've never done this to me. You know what I mean? You know? And, and I was, you know, everybody drank. I didn't know anybody who didn't drink. Everybody drank. They drank. No, we never had a reason to drink. Nobody had a reason to drink. They never had a reason not to drink. Everybody just drank. We drank if the team won, we drank if the team lost, and if it was a tie, we drank till there was a result. You know? We just drank. Everybody drank. In fact, I used to lean over like that and say, look, nothing's coming out my ear, so I ain't full up yet. You know? But you all guys know why you drank. I never knew why I drank. I heard people talking today about why they drank. They drank because they couldn't stand the pain, and they drank because they were hiding behind the feelings, and they drank because they were covering up who they was, and they drank because of da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Past the tissues, I got issues. 
don't know why I drank. We just drank. You guys, I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine going into a pub and saying to the bartender, oh, bartender, hit me with a triple shot of your best booze, because I can't stand who I am and I want to cover up the pain tonight. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> oh, Mr. Dealer, man, give me an extra rock, because I really feel inadequate. <laughs> You guys all knew that. I don't know that. How do I know that? I don't know nothing. Don't know nothing about nothing. January the 15th, 1983, I'd just come out of a blackout. I don't know what a blackout is. Tell a man a story, she's just in a blackout. I said, no, I wasn't. I don't know what it is, but denied it anyway, just in case. Because I deny everything. I don't know this is a disease of denial. D-E-N-I-A-L. Don't even notice I am lying. Or don't even notice it's a lie. I don't notice when I'm lying and I don't notice when I'm being lied to. Like the doctor's opinion says, we can't differentiate the truth from the false. I don't know when I'm lying and I don't know when I'm being lied to, especially by a disease that tells me I ain't got it. Yeah. Wow. He said, yeah, we call that a blackout. I said, no, I was awake, I was doing shit. He said, I said, blackout, idiot, not pass out. I went, oh. I didn't know you did stuff in a blackout that you didn't remember. Like travel. <laughs> I came out of a blackout once walking down a street in Spain. I'd gone out drinking in London. You know something's happened when you come out of a blackout and there's sunshine and palm trees... Ain't no bloody sunshine and palm trees in London. Yeah. Walking down the street with an Eskimo chick. Don't we find them? Any other blackout drinkers here? And the rest of you lying mothers. I know blackout drinkers. Look, not one hand in that whole section. Have you ever gone out drinking and had miracles occur in front of your very eyes? <laughs> Have you ever gone out drinking and had some old wretch turn into the delights of your life? <laughs> we do that, don't we? Have you ever drank someone good-looking? <laughs> some mornings we wake up next to it, don't we? I woke up next to it once and I went, Oh! Oh! Get out! Get out! She said, you get, get out. This is my house. And kicked me out. There's more people laughing than raise their hands. Yeah. They say, if you're laughing, you're relating. If you're relating to a sicko like me, there ain't no doubt about you, pal. I'll tell you that. My mum don't laugh at this stuff. <laughs> my mum don't laugh at this I go home every year to see my mum in London, England every year, whatever year like this year I walk in my mum's house I knock on her door, first thing I tell her mum, I'm 19 years sober she says, so is the cat <laughs> she don't give me no pat on the back for not doing something I shouldn't have done anyway <laughs> mums are like that 
I just come out of a blackout this day. I don't know, I'm shitting in my house. I, you know, I'm dope sick and hurting and I'm just like, oh. you know, I call my best friend. He went, I piss off. He said, I know it won't happen again because I won't be in your company when you're drinking anymore. We've known each other all our lives. You know, scavenged our way out of the Second World War, like robbed and cheated and lied and screwed our way around the planet a couple of times and here he is telling me to screw off. And I don't know what's happened. And there had been another guy lurking around at that time. He was an English rock and roll singer too. And, and, and like, he just seemed to be around a lot. And I didn't know it at the time because I don't know nothing, but I was being 12-stepped. I don't know I was being 12-stepped. My best thinking never got me here. You think this, this guy looked in the mirror after that three-day blackout and looked at the wretch looking back at him and said, Mick, your life is a mess. You better go to AA and sort the bugger out. It never <laughs> happened. My best thinking never got me here. One of you chaps with two and a half years of sobriety, 12-step my sick butt. And that's what this guy was doing. Well, after my friend told me to screw off, phone freak that I am, I have to get on the phone, I call this dude. And he's laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? He said, you. I said, why? He said, because you do weird stuff, that's why. I said, what do you mean? And he laughed again. I said, don't keep laughing, I'm a delicate dude. He said, have you spoke to your friend, Mickey? I said, yeah, he told me to screw off. And he laughed, big belly laughs, and I couldn't stand it. I said, oh, keep laughing at He said, I ain't had a drink for two and a half years. I said, really? How come? Because I don't know he ain't drinking. As long as I am, I don't care that he ain't. You know? He said, because I used to drink like you. I went, what do you mean? And he laughed again. I went, don't keep laughing, for Christ's sake, what happened? He said, well, it all started after you peed in that lady's dinner. I said, what? He said, don't you remember your rich friend took us to that smart Beverly Hills restaurant? He said, and in the middle of the restaurant, you got all ticked off of that old dame, and you got up and marched across the store and took it out and whacked it right in her spaghetti. Oh, my God. And I, I didn't remember peeing in no old lady's dinner, you know. And, <laughs> And I would do stuff like that and not remember it. But then I would go back in that club or restaurant, you know, the next night or the following night, and, and I wouldn't remember nothing. And they'd say, whoa, how the hell you got the balls to come in here after what you did? And I'd go, what do you mean? Because <laughs> I wouldn't remember. So that's what I was doing. Always drank, always, always, always drank. Never remember not drinking. You know? Never only drank, but always drank. Always did mountains of drugs, good drugs. I know in some AA meetings, you know, some alcoholics, real alcoholics, don't like hearing about drugs in AA meetings. And if you're a real alcoholic that didn't do drugs, I want you to know it's not a requirement for membership. <laughs> and I did all my drugs alcoholically, you know, I want you to know that. And if you're an alcoholic in here that didn't do drugs, well, you know, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> if you're an alcoholic that just and only drank alcohol, a specialist, you know, I'm really glad you're here, you know. <laughs> but I ain't no specialist. I told my sponsor, I'm a chemical gourmet. I'm a chem chemical connoisseur. He said, no, Mick, you're a chemical kind of sewer is what you are. You know? <laughs> and I say that because I got to Alcoholics Anonymous on January the 15th, 1983, 
but I don't celebrate my clean and sober birthday on January the 15th, 1983, because for four more months after I get here, I don't hear that it has to include all mind-altering chemicals. I am not drinking in Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcohol, alcoholics, alcoholics, alcoholics anonymous, don't drink, didn't drink. No problem. <laughs> Carried on doing all the other stuff. <laughs> they say there's no greater pain for an alcoholic than an alcoholic who relapses and goes back out there and has a belly full of booze and a head full of AA. I'll give you worse pain than that. You stick around these rooms and get a sober belly without a head full of AA. And you will hurt so bad, you'll have to drink again. That's the difference between sober and sobriety. There's a total difference between being sober and living in sobriety. Sober is S-O-B-E-R, son of a bitch, everything's real. <laughs> sobriety is S-O-B-R-I-E-T-Y, staying off booze, recovery is everything to you. Now you come around these rooms and just put the plug in the jug and see if you react like other men, like the book says. <laughs> Page 22, it's wrong. We don't react like other men because we put the plug in the jug, otherwise the doctor's opinion, you know, they're restless, irritable and discontent, would be wrong, wouldn't it? No, crazy is a loon. Sober people drink again. That's what happens here. When alcoholics relapse, they drink and drug again, stone cold sober. Stone cold sober, we're capable of insane thoughts followed by insane actions. Stone cold sober. So if you're drinking, if you quit drinking and drugging and don't replace the drinking and drugging with something else that works, the program, the 12 Spiritual Steps program, so that you can replace the alcohol and drugs with something else that works, you will hurt, and you will hurt so bad, the only recourse you'll have is to drink again. Sober people drink again. So do powerless people. Powerless people have to drink again. Everybody in this room, and there looks to be a, a fair-sized number, probably a 1,000 or so people here, Every one of you that's sober in here, if you'd be alcoholic, must have a power in their life enabling them to be sober. So I don't know why we walk around Alcoholics Anonymous saying, I'm powerless, powerless, everybody's powerless, 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 everybody's powerless. Powerless is only mentioned once in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's in the very first step. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, our lives have become unmanageable. No other mention of powerless. Check it out. Anybody read this book, by the way? <laughs> it's a good idea. Power is mentioned 66 times. Power is mentioned 66 times. Powerless is mentioned once. Yeah, everybody's walking around going, powerless, powerless, powerless. Everybody's powerless. What about new power has flowed in? What about we have recovered and been given the power to help the next guy? What about praying only for knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out? Power, power, power. I don't know why we walk around. To me, while we walk around here claiming we're powerless, it sounds like the disease getting me to deny the power that's in my life. Why would we do that? book says get next to the power. Have a conscious contact. There's one who has all power. Why would I deny it by saying I'm powerless? I don't do that anymore. Why would I do that? No. Why would I walk around saying I'm powerless when I've got so much bloody power over alcohol, I don't know what to do with it, for Christ's sake. You know, in and of myself, I was powerless. On January the 15th, 1983, in and of myself, 
I was helpless and hopeless and powerless. And you know what? I hit bottom. And guess what, folks? Hitting bottom ain't mentioned in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's no mention of hitting bottom in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know, consequently, I think it's one of the major reasons that 95% of us are not making it over the long haul. Because people don't truly understand what hitting bottom is, as they think they do, believe they do, and say they do. More of the legend of AA. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they had a few programs on the TV. You probably saw them on Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe because of the 25-year death. I was an Elvis Presley fan, been to Graceland several times. And Marilyn Monroe was uh, memorial and stuff. And a guy on the TV said an interesting thing that I couldn't help taking note of. He said, the legend of Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe has become so huge that it's overtaken and superseded the facts about Elvis and Marilyn. So many people today know about the legend of Elvis and Marilyn, but don't know virtually anything about the facts of who they was and what they was. And I couldn't help relating that to Alcoholics Anonymous. There's so many people today that learn the legend of AA, but know nothing about the facts and the details and the real deal, though they listen to what I call the lip-flapping party-line bullshit, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous. That has nothing to do with nothing. And one of those things is most folk that I ask don't know what it is about them that makes them alcoholic. They can say what they do because they're alcoholic, such as I can't control and enjoy my drinking, once too many and a thousand ain't enough, once I start I can't stop. That's not what makes you alcoholic. That's what you do because you're alcoholic. That's alcoholic addictive behaviour, but that's not what makes you alcoholic. There's something specific that makes us alcoholic. And thank God that you told me on that first day with the duck and the eagle story. See, what it is about me that makes me alcoholic, and if you want to read what I think is the finest description I've ever read, it's on the flyleaf or the preface of the new pair of glasses um, book that was written by uh, Karen Sponsor. Finest piece of literature I think I've ever heard about a description of alcoholism. And you know what? He describes how alcohol changes my perception of reality. Alcohol changes my perception of reality. That's what makes me an alcoholic. Not what I do because I'm alcoholic, but alcohol has this abnormal effect on me and it changes my perception of reality. Alcohol changes my perception of reality. AA has changed my perception to reality. See? The duck and the eagle. I go out drinking as a duck, have a few, turn into an eagle. Go swooping around looking for prey. Or I call it a nerd remover. I feel like a nerd, I drink, and I don't feel like a nerd. I feel like a nerd, and I drink, and I don't care if I'm a nerd. I feel like a nerd, and I drink, and you're a bloody nerd. Screw you. A nerd remover. It changed. Or Mary in my home group, she's this delicate little dudette, bad-ass drunk, delicate little dudette, she says that when she drinks, she feels wittier, prettier, and tittier. <laughs> I know what she means. I know what she means. 
That's what makes me an alcoholic. And why it's so important that I grasp that, because later on the book's going to say, we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost self that we were alcoholic. Now, how can I do that if I don't even know what it is about me that makes me alcoholic? And yet I ask folk what it is about them that makes me alcoholic. The best they flounder. Oh, they brag about their sponsor. Most bloody sponsors are useless. You know. What good's their bloody sponsor if they don't know the basic information that we're supposed to be talking and all they're learning is the legend? Hitting bottom's another part of it. On January the 15th, 1983, I know today that I hit bottom. I didn't know then. I didn't learn it until afterwards. You guys taught me. I didn't learn it myself. You guys taught me. Hitting bottom. In meetings, we say more bullshit like everybody's bottom's different. It's different for everybody. Don't understand what hitting bottom is. Think they do, but don't. Hitting bottom ain't what we mostly think it is. But the alcoholic mind, you know, materialistic financial well-being, is geared to thinking that hitting bottom is about the outside circumstances and conditions of our life, and it's not. The outside circumstances and conditions of our life may be different, but the hitting bottom better be the same. Yours better be the same as mine, and ours better be the same as theirs, if we understand what hitting bottom is. But most don't, and most sponsors don't pass it on either. And it's not in the program, so where are we going to get it from? The lip flappers? No. See, hitting bottom ain't about how far down I went and how much I lost and ending up in detox. And I ask folk, give me, give me your bottom, give me your bottom, describe your bottom to me. You'll be amazed at what I hear. You know, one girl was telling me that she was like feet to the curb, hustling the Broadway, trying to earn a dollar. I was broke, busted, disgusted, and not to be trusted. I was locked up in a penitentiary, married to Bubba. <laughs> nothing to do with hitting bottom. Living in an abandoned car, nothing to do with hitting bottom. Lost the kids, lost the family, everything gone, nothing to do with hitting bottom. We think it is, but it ain't. And I've got news for you. If you think that how far down you, at, you went or what you've lost is hitting bottom, in recovery you will hit bottom after bottom after bottom and get sicker and sicker and sicker and hurt and hurt and hurt. Nothing to do with it. On January the 15th, 1983, in desperation and despair, hurting so bad, destitute in sight, without knowing what I was saying or who I was saying it to or anything about anything, I can remember saying to whatever it was, help me please, what is wrong with me? I can't stand it anymore. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> and asked for help. That's what hitting bottom's all about. Those outside circumstances and conditions may enable us to become capable of reaching that stage, but in and of themselves, they're not that stage. Ask, A-S-K, ask saving kit. Help, H-E-L-P, his ever-loving presence. And if me and God are separated, who moved? And if me and God are separated, who can move back? And on January the 15th, 1983, it just seemed to be that way with me. It seemed as though the old man seemed to be looking over my shoulder and he seemed to say to me, Mick, you silly bugger, I've been waiting for you to ask. Now get yourself over to that AA meeting. Sent me to you. I asked for help and he sent me to you. 
That's why I know God and the power are different. I asked for help and he sent me to you. Because here was the power he provided for a drunk like me to enable me to not have to drink, which was restoring me to sanity. Because you guys described insanity as repeating the same behavior and expecting a different result, drinking. So if drinking was insanity, to be restored to sanity meant not drinking. Came to believe that a power great myself could enable me to not drink. Here it was. Here was the power provided by God to enable this drunk to not have to drink. In and of myself, I couldn't stop drinking. You couldn't stop drinking. But together, we could stop drinking. We could do together what I couldn't do apart. There was a power greater than me. Wasn't too hard to, to see that either. In the first two steps, you don't see God, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, Muhammad, or any of the other nouns we use, do we? There's no mention of higher power in the first two steps. And it's crying shame. Because alcoholics go, came to believe that a power greater than myself, God! Automatically it's God. And they go, God, and they skip over the power that he's provided. So they go to the source of the power instead of to the power. Kind of like going to Chrysler to buy a car. Chrysler say, we don't sell cars, you have to go to a dealership. We make cars. Same with God. But where the danger is, I end up powerless because the disease I got along the path of life has gotten me to abandon God and spirituality, so do I end up with none. Powerless. That's what powerless is. I've been asking folk today, what does powerless mean? They don't know. They tell me what they do because they're powerless. They tell me all the things that happen because they're powerless, but they don't know what powerless is. Well, powerless is the absence of God, isn't it? Because the beautiful book says, this one who has all power, that one is God, now you find him now. Well, if I've got to find him, it means I ain't got him. Can't have, can I? I can't claim to be powerless if I've got a God in my life. And if I've got a God in my life, I ain't powerless. I can't have it both ways. I want it both ways, but I can't have it both ways. So I can't let go and let God because I've got no God to do that to. I can't turn it over to God. I've got no God to do that with. Powerless. In and of myself, I'm powerless. Powerless equals no power. God equals power. Powerless equals no God. So powerless means in the, when it comes to alcohol and drugs, I have no God in my life when it comes to alcohol and drugs. In and of myself, I'm powerless. You think I knew that when I got here? Never had a clue. You guys said, let go and let God. I said, what? You said, turn it over to God. I said, what? You said, pray to God. I said, what? Pray to God? If I pray to him, he'll know where I am. You know? I've been ducking God for years. Why would I pray to a God who was going to strike me blind for playing with the old dingaling, for Christ's sake? <laughs> well, you know I did anyway. <laughs> when I found out how good it felt, I thought, well, well I'll risk one eye. <laughs> Sign that. LAUGHTER <laughs> Did you hear that? Strike you blind? Pray to God. Some of the drugs I took in the 60s, I used to go and visit God. <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> Takes more than one day to get over some of them flashbacks, I tell you. <laughs> Woo! Gone again, you know. 
So I don't know nothing about this. How do I know? But along the path of life, the disease I got has got me to abandon God and spirituality. Though I knew on page 55, like it says, I, I knew about God. I was raised in a religion. But I'd abandoned God. I'd turned my back on God. I'd put God on the back, back burner. I'd disconnected from God, same as you guys tell me you guys did. Well, guess what? It's strange, isn't it? And it's strange that I can turn my back on God so I can drink. But I can't turn my back on a disease so that I don't drink. Isn't that strange? Why can't I do that? You know, it's a strange thing. Thinking about this this morning. You know, on page 93 it says, He can choose any concept of God he likes, provided it makes sense to him. That is conditional, my friends. He can choose any concept of God he likes, provided it makes sense to him. This book that says of itself, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Well, it may have bloody well meant to be, but it ain't. <laughs> it's got clear-cut, precise instructions, directions and rules to follow. And that's one of them. You know, choose any concept of God he likes, provided it makes sense to him. It's like the judge saying to me, yes, Mr. Bush, you can have bail, provided you pay your fine. It's a condition. I can't turn around and say, well, I'll pay it when I'm ready. Say, so, yeah, well, you'll get out when I'm ready. <laughs> you know? But you ask most people to give you their concept and understanding of a God, like the book says, they can't do it. They think they can, they say they can, but you put them to the test and ask them, they can't. I couldn't. Didn't have any clue. And yet it's a strange thing today. All the gods, what do they have in common? What do all the gods have in common? Every god you can possibly think of or imagine or have a perception of, no matter what it is, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Allah, Muhammad, you know, even a French god, and they don't even like themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> a leg of the chair god, a doorknob god, whatever concept you got of god, whatever kind of god you got, what have they all got in common? They all send their drunks here. That's strange, isn't it? That's strange. Because uh -huh. here's the power they provided for a drunk like me. See, the power right here, right now, here's the power, we got it right here. Provided by God for a drunk like me to not have to drink and drug. See, I'm powerless over alcohol, but alcohol is not powerless over me. Alcohol can and does and will kick my butt and has done many times. So when we say I admit that I'm powerless over alcohol, we're only actually giving half the deal. I've got to admit that I'm powerless over it, but it ain't powerless over me. It can and does and will make me do what I already don't want to do. Now, I absolutely don't want to do it when every fibre of my body is against you and every desire I've got in the world is to not do it. I do it anyway. Who else done that? Yeah, no shit. No. <laughs> See, so I, got, I not want to do it. The only requirement for membership is a desire to quit. I've got to have a desire to quit, but I can't rely on it. I've got to have a desire to quit, then do these steps and this work so that I don't do what I already don't want to do. And if I ain't doing these steps in this work or I ain't done these steps in this work, I will do what I don't want to do because the disease I've got that I'm powerless over will make me do what I don't want to do. <laughs> you think I knew that when I got here? <laughs> 
I don't know nothing about nothing, but here it is, here, right here, the power provided by God. Why are we walking around saying we're powerless for heaven's sake? You know, I liken it to this water I'm drinking, life-sustaining. See? It's written in, 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 in all the scriptures you want to write. Anywhere you want to read spiritual writings, no matter whether it's the Koran or the Bible or the Old and New Testament, wherever you write, read spiritual, you know, you're right. And we never wrote it, but we depend upon it probably more than any other society. It's written, when any two are gathered in my name, there I will be in your midst. So when two alcoholics come together for the purpose of recovery, God comes in our midst and produces a power greater than either of us. So it's produced by us, but it's greater than us, and we can absolutely depend upon it. Like this water, H2O. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, water, life-sustaining. Two drunks, one God, power, power over alcohol. I see a couple of double nods there. I think I'm getting through when I get a double nod. Well, one nod's pretty good, you know. You know double nodders. I spoke in Scottsdale a little while, a while ago. A guy called me up. He said, my sponsor said, I don't agree with you. I went, what a surprise. <laughs> what didn't he agree with? He said, well, this power you say you got over alcohol. Oh, what didn't he agree with? He said, yeah, well, let him take a drink of alcohol and see how much power over it he's got. Ha, ha, ha. I said, get away from that old fart. He needs a brain transplant. <laughs> if he thinks I'm saying that if I pick up a drink, I'll have power over it, he's mental. He needs seeing who. I ain't saying that at all. I ain't saying that if I pick up a drink and drink it, I'll have power over it at all. What I am saying is that before I pick it up, so that I don't have to pick it up, and to order to not pick it up, I got a power to enable me to not have to drink no matter what. And I got it and you got it. Let's share it. I don't know about these things. I don't have a clue about these things. How would I? And I don't hear people talking about them either. I hear well-known international speakers talking about the first step and not one of them talk about what powerlessness is. They all think, believe and say they do. The legend. But you ask them or play the tapes back, they don't even know. They don't talk about what powerless actually is, the abstinence of the power. In and of myself, depleted, beaten, hitting bottom, H-I-T-B-O-T-T-O-M, hit bottom hurting inside, totally burnt out, turned to our master. That's what hitting bottom is. You know it, even if you don't consciously like, can put it together. The consciousness of your decision will come to you. Newcomers, if you don't understand some of this stuff, stick around. I never understood it either, but more will be revealed to you. And I get to apply these principles to all my affairs. I don't know that. How do I know that? The book says, elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A far greater demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations and affairs. And when I hear people say, all we got is today, one day at a time, just for today, I think we'll stay in the beginning then. If you think one day at a time, all you've all you got to do is you know, put the plug in the jug, don't drink today, stay at the beginning. Have a party. <laughs> ain't what I wanted, ain't what I did. 
I've got to stop drinking, but then I get to apply these principles to all my affairs. And in and of myself, I don't know how to do that. But my sponsor's got a better do idea of it than I do. I'm a completely illegal person. My sponsor is a judge, a justice, actually, a appellant court judge. Retired now, but a lovely man. I don't know how to describe the love I have for my sponsor to you. Far deeper and greater. Than, and I don't speak to him every minute of every day about every single thing but I'm glad I got him in my corner. And he helps me, especially with things like my personal relationships. Now, I don't know about you guys here in Pabo, perhaps you ain't got personal relationship problems. <laughs> Us down there in Santa Monica seem to struggle a little bit with that. I mean, I wrote a word for relationships, R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P. Really exciting love affair, turns into outrageous nightmare, sobriety hangs in peril. <laughs> oh, you do have that down here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought I was just a social drinker. <laughs> I did. I thought I was a social drinker. Are you? Any other social drinkers here? <laughs> Our Al-Anon friends? <laughs> At dinner, I, I was sitting next to a lady, bad-ass, drunk her husband wasn't. I said to her husband, you in Al-Anon? He said, no. Oh, I said, join up, it's great. Alan's a great program. They got our beautiful 12-step program and they can drink. <laughs> I have to give a little plug for the uh, CCYPAA. Any CCYPAAs here? No? They are down here in the front row where they belong, yeah. Over the last year and a half or so, I've spoken about eight... Um, Ikipi Park conferences, you know, International Conference of Young People in AA. These are the young troops coming through the ranks of Alcoholics Anonymous, folks. These are young people in Alcoholics Anonymous, alcoholics, potential alcoholics and alcoholics, young troops coming through the ranks. Huge conventions they have, you know, several thousand, some of them, eight of them in the last year and a half. One, one particular convention, there was a 10-year-old girl who took a three-year birthday cake. I just did the Okipal one, and uh, the girl leading the meeting was um, 20 years old, had six years of sobriety. These are the young troops coming through the ranks of Alcoholics Anonymous, not even legally able to buy booze. They can go out and get ripped and go out and score drugs far easier than alcohol. They're already addicts and paralyzed with this disease long before they even get into to the alcoholism. And in each and every conference, I always make a point of asking, is there anybody in the room? Eight conferences in the last year and a half, folks, thousands of young troops coming through the ranks of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I ask the question, is there anybody in the room that just and only drank alcohol? And in eight conferences, not one hand has been raised. What are we expected to do? Tell them young troops to get out, go somewhere else, don't bring it here, don't talk about it here. I ain't going to do that. 
You can do that if you want, but I ain't going to do that. If you don't understand some of the nature of this malady, don't tell them to go somewhere else or hurt them. Direct them to somebody like me if you haven't got the experience. There's a lot of us around. Don't tell them young troops to go somewhere else. We need them here. I love those young troops. Those young people in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a strange thing, you know. In 1953, in the Radford group down there in North Hollywood, close to where I'm from, 1953, alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings started Narcotics Anonymous. You hearing what I'm saying? Alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings started Narcotics Anonymous. When I came along in 83, Johnny had just put together a few of us and uh, we were starting Cocaine Anonymous. Alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings started Cocaine Anonymous. Alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings started NA and in Alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings started CA. I was there. I'm glad that Johnny was there for me. He was a good friend and he, he was kind of the equivalent of Bill Wilson, the CA. He was only sober in Alcoholics Anonymous about six months himself. And I was with him when he was writing out the format for Cocaine Anonymous. And he wrote the first step and he wrote down, we admitted we were powerless over cocaine and all other mind-ordering chemicals. And I said, hey, Johnny, you can't write that. He said, yes, I can. I said, no, we've took a group conscience that we're going to take the program out of Alcoholics Anonymous because it's proved to work and we're going to apply it to Cocaine Anonymous. We took a group conscience. And you've written Powerless Over Cocaine and all other mind-altering chemicals. He said, yes, and that's what I'm going to put it. I said, no, I'm an AA and I don't drink, but I still do all the other shit. <laughs> He said, yes, that's why you're bloody insane. I went, what? He said, you're mental. You, Everybody knows you're mental. You've got to quit it all. I went, everything? Yes, he said, everything. Because I was sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, took a chip, 30 days, 60 days, loaded to the gills. Because I do lots of other stuff. Same as the book says. One guy told me uh, the, uh, the big group, you know, you mustn't talk about drugs in an AA meeting. I said, I only talk about what's in the big book. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're 29 years sober. Go and read your book. You don't know it. I know my book. I said, well, obviously not. It's on page one. He said, what is? I said, what I'm talking about. He said, where? I said, I've got the book out, book like this. I said, here, look, page one. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is now forgot whether he died of mus musket or by pot. He said, it don't mean that. I said, it does to me. <laughs> Anybody here smoke pot? I ain't got a problem with pot. The only thing pot does to me is make me horny and make me hungry. Nothing wrong with that. Except some mornings you wake up with a sore arm and a bed full of pizza crust. Apart from that, you don't get no...
Anybody do speed, crystal crank? Did it make your dick disappear too? You ain't going to read that in no Betty Ford manual. Fire up some crystal, your dick could disappear. But why I talk about it is because in my experience, I was completely crazy and insane doing other things other than alcohol, in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. It's totally, completely insane. Giving God the finger. Now, you think I knew I was giving God the finger? Why would I give God the finger, for heaven's sake? I don't know that. But what else would you call it? See, on page 86 of the beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, our thought life will be on a much higher plane, for after all, God gave us the brains to use. Well, if he gave me a brain to use, he gave me the brain he wants me to have. He don't make no mistakes, so he gave me the brain he wants me to have. He gave me the brain he wants me to, to use. Now, he didn't just give me a brain, he gave you a brain too. He gave me one, he gave you one. If you're his kid, I'm his kid. If I'm his kid, you're his kid. He either gave us all a brain or he didn't give us none a brain. Now, if he gave me a brain to use and he gave me the brain he wants me to have, I've got to have some big balls, haven't I, to turn around and say, well, look, thanks for everything in my life. Thanks for all that stuff that I got back, and thanks for all the wonderful excitement going on. But that mind you gave me, I don't think you did a very good job with that. I think I can alter it and change it to make it better than what you did. I think I'll change that, that mind you gave me by taking this mind-altering substance. What else would you call it but giving God the finger? Can't get any recovery of giving God the finger. So we have to abstain. Yes, we're talking alcohol, and yes, this is Alcoholics Anonymous, but it has to include all mind altering chemicals that affect us from the neck up. And if the first thing that popped into your head just now was, well, what about my meds? <laughs> Maybe you want to review that too. One of the things that... One of the things that um, has been happening over the years recently is that good alcoholics have been going out and ending up in detox over the various pills and painkillers and tranks and stuff that have been given out very freely. And guess what? They haven't been going back to drinking. They've been ending up in detox and screwed up, some with multiple years of sobriety and not going back to drinking. So it always struck me as strange when alcoholics told me that, well, I only use drugs and speed and, and, and cocaine so that I could drink more. I thought, what? Are you trying to tell me I did $100 worth of gram of cocaine so that I could drink more of a $5 bottle of booze? <laughs> more legend. More legend, let's have some more legend. You know, we say things like, just, just put the plug in the dog. Don't drink no matter what. Just say no. Do what? Just say no to a full-blown alcoholic like me. It's like telling that homeless dude on the corner, hey, homeless dude, just get a house. <laughs> the bloody house, homeless dude. If I could get a house, I wouldn't be homeless. Yeah, and if I could just say no, I wouldn't be an alky neither. I don't know where some of this stuff comes from. I ain't in the book, you know. I don't know where a lot of this stuff comes from, as a matter of fact. We have so much stuff going on. Well, as I say, lip-flapping, party-line bullshit. And we're not getting to the real meat and potatoes. And we're not getting to carrying this message, this message, because of the legend, 
the legend that gets repeated and repeated and repeated. And it's one thing if you haven't done it, but if you haven't done it but believe you have, that's very dangerous. You know? And I don't want to do that. When I got here, that's not what you guys taught me to do. You know, when I got here, helpless and hopeless and powerless on every level, you said, Mick, you've got to stop doing that. I said, what do you mean stop? He said, we've got a disease, a disease called alcoholism. We've got to stop doing it. We're sicker than other people. That's what stop means, S-T-O-P, sicker than other people. Or sicker than others patrol, and you're a member. I went, wow. How do I stop that? We're given a gift. What kind of a gift? G-I-F-T, God is forever there. Wow. What's he there for? To help, H-E-L-P, his ever-loving presence. Wow. Well, what's his gift? Where would you get these gifts? G-I-F-T-S. Get it from the steps. Wow. Well, where shall I look for these? In the book. What book? This book, a big book. Big book? What do you mean, big book? B-I-G-G-B-O-O-K. Believing in God beats our old knowledge. Wow. What's in the book? The, the, the program. Program? What program? P-R-O-G-R-A-M. People relying on God, relaying a message. Wow. Kind of a program, is it? It's a steps program. Steps? What do you mean, steps? S-T-E-P-S. Solution to every problem, sober. Wow. Have I got to do the steps? Yeah, you've got to do the steps. Why? Because if you want to quit drinking and don't replace it with the steps, you go crazy, you go nuts. Nuts? What do you mean, nuts? N-U-T-S. Not using the steps. <laughs> Remember, we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without our help, it's too much for us to get a sponsor. S-P-O-N-S-O-R. Sober person offering newcomers suggestions on recovery. That's what a sponsor is. Wow. Why do I want a sponsor? To stay sober. Sober? What do you mean sober? Staying off booze, enjoying recovery. That's why I want to stay sober. Wow. Well, I don't know about all that. I can't be so bloody heavenly that I'm no earthly good. <laughs> so we've got hope. We've got the language of the heart. H-E-A-R-T, healing, enjoying and recovering together. Aren't you glad you got a program? Hope, H-O-P-E, which you gave me when I got here. Happy our program exists. H-O-P-E was hearing other people's experiences. You think I could work this thing out for myself? You think I knew this? You think I knew anything about anything? I thought I knew everything about everything, but I actually knew nothing about nothing. I ain't going nowhere. In desperation and despair, I asked for help. In desperation and despair, I turned to the God Asked it for help and it sent me to you. Because here was the power. Here was the power, right here, right now. That's why it works for those atheists and agnostics. Because even if you don't believe in any form of God, you can't deny the power because it's right here, right now. And as you reach out, you touch it. As you touch it, you become a part of it. That ain't hard to work out, is it? We can do what I, what I couldn't do. Wow. Going nowhere. I'm staying right here with you, where I belong, where I was sent, where I'm better off, where I like being. 
where in desperation and despair I was sent for the help I needed. I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying right here with you. I'll risk the Pacific group not liking me. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Why would I go anywhere? I love, I prospered in Alcoholics Anonymous. I ain't broke, busted, disgusted and not to be trusted today. I'm a very wealthy man materialistically and financially. It's all right, it's, a, it's his wife calling him up to tell him that she's got a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> Imagine what I was like drinking. <laughs> you know, I've been all over the world, <coughs> drunk and sober. I've spoken at the Young People's Convention in Australia. I just come back from South Africa. Spoke at the National Convention, you know, in uh, South Africa in Durban. Started the first ever last year convention in Iceland. I looked at the globe and from Iceland to South Africa and all the parts in between. Europe, Italy, Spain, France, Britain. I was in Rome. I met the Pope. It was really weird. I, I kissed the Pope's ring and I was holding his little land and I didn't know what to say. And I, I looked at him and I said, you better straighten up, Pope. <laughs> 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 Don't forget, if you're laughing, you're relating. <laughs> My telephone number is 818 area code RU Sober, and I'll end with this. 818 RU Sober. 818 RU S O B E R. That's my telephone number. 818. Not 800, you cheap buggers. 818. <laughs> Are you, like Toys R Us, S-O-B-E-R? And I give you that number because that's what you guys did with me. You know, I get a lot of juice and I get a lot of compliments and I'm grateful for them, but you get these little reminders when your ego gets out there. Last Saturday I spoke at the Malibu meeting, big meeting, huge meeting, and I was standing there, there was a couple of out-of-towners and there was a couple of Mickey Bush fans and they were telling these out-of-towners how good I am and how, what a great speaker I am and how they've got to stay and hear me and all that. And they were kind of impressed and it feels nice. And like when you thank me afterwards, it's nice. It's not necessary, but it's appreciated, you know, because I carry the message to you but for me. And there's this lady standing there in the group, nice little lady she was. She said, you were the first speaker that ever spoke at the first meeting I ever went to. Oh, I said, was I? She said, yeah. I said, oh, how long ago was that? She said, many years, as a matter of fact. I said, oh, we stayed sober all that time, huh? She said, yeah. I felt, oh, must have had a good impression made on her. I said, what was I talking about? Where was it? She said, I don't know. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue what you were talking about, she said. Oh, she said, well, what happened? She went, I don't know what you said, 
She said, in fact, I, I don't remember nothing about it. She said, but I was all shaky and smelly. And she said, afterwards you came up and you put your arm around me and you said, hello, love, how you doing? She said, and it had been a long time since a man had put his arms around me and called me love. A little act of kindness goes a long way. We've heard this convention about the actions we take. When I got home from that, that meeting, that first meeting, I had two telephone numbers in my hand. And I called one of them. And I called the guy and I didn't know who it was. And I said, I don't know who you are, pal. I said, but I've got your phone number in my hand. He said, uh, oh, yeah, he said, I remember you from your accent. He said, from the meeting at lunchtime. I was said, was you at the meeting? He said, yeah, I gave you the number. <laughs> I said, what about them meetings? He said, what about them? I said, well, how long have you been going to them meetings? He said, like, for four months. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, what does that mean? He said, I'm four, four months sober. I said, oh. I said, do you go to them meetings at night? He went, yeah. I said, can I go to one of them meetings with you tonight? And he said, well, normally I would, yes, he said, but um, tonight I've made arrangements to go to a movie, so I ain't going to a meeting tonight. I'm going to a movie instead. I said, oh, all right, then it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, because I went all little inside like we do with rejections. He picked up on it like we do. He went, holy shit. Wow. What is wrong with me? I said, what, what's the matter? He said, you may have just saved my life. I said, no, i never done nothing. <laughs> he said, four months sober and a newcomer wants to go with me and I tell him no I'm going to a movie holy shit what is wrong with me where do you live I'm coming around to pick you up I said really he said really I said what about your movie he said you're much more important than a movie I said I am my best friends have just told me to screw off here was a guy who didn't even know me telling me I was more important than his plans and he came round and I went out to his car he was bloody weird as well <laughs> He had this little Fiat car and he had it all decked out like a Mercedes with a big emblem and wheels and stuff, you know. I didn't know nothing about alcoholic grandiosity till then, you know. But he took me to a meeting. He got me a book of Alcoholics Anonymous, a beautiful book, not like this one. This is a fourth edition. Mine was a third edition. I've still got it. It's got lots of miles on it too. Like our joy of living, you say, call this the joy of living. I've got sober living houses, I've got 83 beds, there are rarely less than 75 newcomers in them. We do a lot of stuff like the book talks about. We had a picnic over there at Balboa Park in San Fernando Valley a little while ago. And I took all my troops over there and we all do security and we do clean up and we do commitments and have a good time. I bumped into old Zach there as a matter of fact. I said, hey Zach, how you doing? What are you doing on this side of the hill? He said, I'm speaking at the meeting today. <laughs> wow, far out. And guess what, folks? He's still four months ahead of me. <laughs> it's the actions we take, isn't it? And it's all right here. I've been yakking it up here for about an hour and a quarter, something like that. But I could have told you what Alcoholics Anonymous means to me and sat down and you'd have got the same message because it's right here in this beautiful book. Look, Alcoholics Anonymous, A-L-C-O-H-O-L-I-C-S, A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, Alcoholics Anonymous. It stands for a life centered on helping others living complete sobriety. 
actions, not our names, yield maintenance of unity and service. And that's all there is, folks. Ain't no more than that. You know, all over the world, I ain't finished yet, sit down. <laughs> all over the world, no matter where you go, no matter what 12-step program you're a part of, no matter what you're recovering from, all over the world, the two most prolific statements that are mentioned in alcoholics or narcotics or cocaine or doesn't matter what 12-step program you go to, the two most prolific statements is keep coming back one day at a time. The very first thing I heard before I even got in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Keep coming back one day at a time. And guess what, folks? Neither one of those two statements is in the beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous. But please do it. God bless. <laughs>